Brilliant. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me? We're going to be in Acts uh, chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 16. So Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame, crippled from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms, uh, to ask for money of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, their charity, their giving. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said to him, Look at us. And he fixed their, his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no gold, I have no silver, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John. I love that. He clung to them. Whilst he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he saw the crowds, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. What a, what a rebuke. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And to this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is in that is through Jesus, has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you would be uh, on each one of us to hear in faith that what, what it is we, we're going to be seeing in this scripture. Well, I pray that you would be speaking to us to stir faith in the body, to begin to awaken faith uh, throughout uh, each, uh, each one of us and throughout the life of Freedom Church. Lord God, we thank you that, that the preaching of your word is accompanied by signs and wonders. And I pray that you would stir up faith and stir up obedience as well to step out in these things. And that as I'm speaking, faith will begin to rise up and that you would minister to each one of us in this way as we, as we look at these things. God, we don't just want to be learning new facts or, uh, or revising ones that we might have known before. But God, we want to be encountering the living God, the author of life, and able, as we do that, to find ourselves responding in faith and obedience. Lord Jesus, in your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So we've been in this series 
uh, which we've been calling the, the Spirit-Filled Church, looking at what it means for, for us, the people of God. That's what the church is. It's not an organisation. It's not uh, you know, anything that's got the Freedom Church logo attached to it. No, we, the body, are the church. And uh, we've been looking at what it means for us, the people of God, to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we, we've looked at what that might mean individually, so for an individual to be filled with the, the Spirit of God who, who awakens faith and who uh, uh, transforms our lives to, to be more and more like Jesus, to uh, come and empower us to live in the way that God has called us to live. In signs and wonders, as in the ways of spiritual gifts, as, as, as Mike began to unpack to us a couple of weeks ago, um, and in uh, uh, works of obedience as well, as we kind of find ourselves becoming more and more like Jesus. But also, we, we've been looking at what it means for uh, that on, uh, sorry, on an individual level and also as a communal level. So communally, together, we are filled with the Spirit of God the, so that when we gather in this way, we know God is here in person. We're not just reading, you know, all this, you know, old books and that talk about God. We're not just singing songs about God. We're not just reeling off facts about God. No, we are in the room with the living God who is the author of life. And so we've been looking at what that means as we've been doing this. And, and one of the things that I, I really loved that, that Mike uh, pulled out as we began to look at these spiritual gifts. And so we, a couple of weeks ago, we began to look at spiritual gifts. And, and now we're going to start zooming in on particular spiritual gifts in the life of the church. So we looked at those, those passages, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, which can really speak, as Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. I want you to know about them. So when we read that, we're not just hearing Paul talking to the Corinthians, we're hearing God talking to us as well. God says to us, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be without understanding or without knowledge when it comes to spiritual gifts. I want you to understand. And one of the wonderful things that Mike drew out for us, and again, it's come out um, this morning, uh, this, morning this, this afternoon in worship is that the spiritual gifts are all of them motivated and outworked in love. There's this, it's, it, in fact, it's something that um, it came up in the prophetic training that uh, we ran as regions beyond uh, um, whenever we ran at the end of last year. And one of the things that Rodney says, he, he talks about, he says actually the prophetic gift. He's talking particularly about the prophetic gift, and we're going to be hearing a little bit more about that at another point. But he's saying the, all of the spiritual gifts, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 starts, you know, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. So all of this, the desire for spiritual gifts is in response to love. Right? So it is out of love that I desire spiritual gifts. It is out of love because I want to see the body built up, because I want to see the, uh, the church empowered to preach the gospel. I, it's out of love that I desire spiritual gifts. I want, and so we could almost put in place of, you know, at the passage that uh, Mike read out to us, that passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which talks about love is patient, love is kind. You could put in place of love, or so we're in sort of parentheses underneath it, prophecy is patient, prophecy is kind, healing is patient, healing is kind. It's wonderful sort of, actually, love is what motivates this, these gifts, and all of these gifts, if they have their root right are based and uh, empowered by love. And so I kind of want us to, to bear that in mind every week now as we go forward, as we look at these gifts. Hang on, how these things aren't just for me to be, wow, look at Josh, he's 
He's healing the sick. He's doing these things. No, all of them are in, uh, uh, have their root in love for the body and love for the nations. And so that's what I want us to, one of the things that Mike really well highlighted to us, and, I, and one of those things that I want to keep circling back to. So every time we talk about this thing or that thing, to remember, this is outworked in love. This is outworked in love. It's not about me and about what's God going to do with me, what's God going to give to me. No, it's about how am I called to serve these people in love. Maybe, sometimes, at sacrifice for myself. So there's a real in the church, all for one, one for all. I am willing to imitate my Father, imitate my Saviour as I lay down my life for the sake of his people. And every time a gift is, act, is active, that's what's happening. I am willing to, to step out for the sake of love for the body. Whether I'm wronged or what have you, all of it in love for the body. Not in my notes. Um, but today, we're going to be looking at uh, healing and the, and, and the gift of ministry of, of healing and miracles in the church. So in that list that Paul gives to the Corinthians, in, in 1 Corinthians he talks about the spiritual gifts at work in the body. He talks about prophecy, he talks about tongues. One of those, uh, or a couple of those things, are, he talks about gifts of healings and miracles. And so that's, one of the, that's what I want us to zoom in on today. And really, as, as we talk about it, I want us to, to understand, that as we're talking about it, these aren't just uh, magic tricks that the, the people of God can do. They're, they are given for a purpose. And actually, when the Bible, when you, when you go through the New Testament, you realise that most of the healings recorded happen outside of the church. Right? Not in this context, but outside of this context. Most of the... The, the healings that happen are evangelistic. Right? They, it comes as the gospel is preached to people who don't know it, and it is accompanied by signs and wonders. Now, we're going to get to that, um, but I, kind of, I want to give us just a little bit of a heads up on where we're going and where I'm coming from. Um, Paul, as he's writing to the Roman church, he says this, from Jerusalem to Illyricum. So he's, you imagine a map, Jerusalem, down in the Near East, Illyricum, sort of northern uh, northwestern uh, Greece, he's point, kind of this whole area of the map. He says, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, the wor- uh, by word and by deed, by the power of signs and wonders, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel. When I come and I'm, I'm, I'm teaching into these things, that's my heart. I want us to be able to say, from I don't know where we'd start, but, but North Hull and the nations have heard the gospel by, by word and by deed, by power of signs and wonders. We have fulfilled the ministry that God has given us. And so this is, a, when we talk about healings and miracles, they are, they are tools in the hand. They're not, as I say, they're not the exciting thing. They are exciting, wonderfully exciting, but they aren't the thing. The thing is that the gospel of the grace of God and the kingdom of God would be proclaimed and known in all the world. And so that's, that's what we're talking about here today. But I also, as we talk about these things and as we look at what it means to, to step out in these gifts that God has given to his people, I want to raise faith amongst us. Uh, it's, it's, it's great um, to, to kind of be able to teach into a context where I know that we've seen um, healings in, in this room, right? We're not, um, maybe in this room. But actually, when we first, I think it was our first ever Sunday morning meeting, we gathered 
and we, we had our first gathering, and it was Margaret had, her, there was something wrong with her hand. She, uh, she's, she had something wrong with her hand, and she couldn't open her hand properly. And as we were worshipping, God stepped in and healed her. And it was just a wonderful sort of testimony to, I am with you as you step out in faith. <clears throat> And so, as we, and even as we kind of go forward, we're expecting that those, that story would be multiplied many, many times. And, and uh, the amazing thing is that we've got people in the room who can share story after story of how God has used them to bring those kind of works and miracles and healings. And so, what I want to do is I want to raise faith, as I say. Uh, sometimes uh, I think we can talk about healing in a sort of hypothetical faith way. So I, you know, I could say. Do you have faith that God can heal the sick? And we might all nod our head. Uh, but it's sort of a hypothetically God can, rather than, yes, God is able and he will. And sometimes that, kind of, that sort of hypothetical thinking can, can infiltrate our prayers and kind of shape how we pray. Like, God, yes, yes you can, you know, in theory, but whether you will is, a, is another thing. And so sometimes when people pray, they kind of like, you know, Lord, and there's sort of all this kind of, praying, sidestepping of, Lord, if it's your will, and if it's not too much trouble, would you, you know, and, and sort of putting in the safety net so that even in our prayer, we sort of undermine our own faith a little bit. And so, and sometimes even a lot of teaching that goes into this whole area of healing and miracles can be shaped more by the question of, well, why God doesn't heal? And that's not a bad question. You know, sometimes God doesn't heal, and we see that even in scripture. But I don't want that to be our starting point, and that's certainly not going to be our starting point today. So the way I want to approach it today is I want to just look at two things. I want to look, I want to look very, very quickly at the big picture of, of sickness and healing in Scripture. And then I want to talk about the role and purpose of healing, and we're going to look at this passage that we, uh, we've just read together. Um, it's very easy, if we don't understand the big picture, to fall into all sorts of traps when it comes to healing and understanding healing and as, as Christians. There is, there's all sorts of weird teaching out there. If you just Google uh, healing ministries Christian, you will find all sorts of weird nonsense being taught. And, and some of it's quite dangerous and some of it's quite hurtful. And so we've just got to be very, very careful. And, and so kind of to protect us from that, and I think it's the best way that I can to, to protect us from those sorts of weird teachings, is to just give us an idea of the, the, the big story that we're part of. Uh, one thing that I did, I was a, I was a youth leader in Bradford, um, in a church there, and I, one of the things that I did was we were going through the whole story of the Bible, we played this game with the kids, and what we would do is we would, everyone would write out a story and it would be a well-known story, whether it would be a film, and it would break up into three parts. The main character, what they did, and for what reason. And, then, and so you might write, you know, Frodo took the ring to Mordor to defeat the Dark Lord. Right? And, and then we would tear it up, and then we would put it all into three baskets, and we'd mix them up. And then we would pull them out, and we would get these mixed-up stories. So it would end up being things like, Winnie the Pooh took the ring to Mordor to find true love. And you kind of, you have this weird story and you think, well, actually, like poor old Pooh Bear in that situation in Middle Earth, wandering around a world he's not familiar with, trying to do something he's not familiar with. And actually, if we don't understand the, the story of scripture, then we can find ourselves in that same boat. Actually, we've not understood what story we're 
part of. And so I want to kind of to do that. But also as we talk about healing, we're, we're aware, sickness and healing, we're not talking about something that's theoretical. We're not talking about something that is, you know, to be held in a sort of academic way. Let's just turn this around, you know, classroom discussion. We're talking about real frontline battlefield stuff. I know there are stories in this room of people who are, who, who are dealing with sickness in a very real way or who, who, whose loved ones are. And so we can't talk about it as though this is some sort of classroom discussion. No, sickness, as we read through scripture, we realise is pervasive. It's, it gets everywhere. Sickness and death, it just gets everywhere. And so we need to talk about it as though it's a real thing. And so I don't just want to lay down a body of teaching. You know, I want us to, you know, not just be a little bit more informed about what the Bible says. That's not what preaching does anyway. I want us to be equipped in faith to lean on God in sickness and in health. I want us to engage with this thing that's going to engage, uh, uh, that's going to shape faith, as I say. And so, just to have a, a bit of a picture of the, a, 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 the bio, whole Bible, we realise we live in a world that is, that is fallen, that is broken. The Bible kind of introduces that, that to us in, in the beginning of Genesis. There's, there being this, there, God creating the world, it's good, it's right, things are as they should be. Suddenly sin enters the world and death enters with it. You know, eat of this fruit and you will die. Okay, they do. And death enters the world. And such that, that sickness seems to be so uh, pervasive in the world that even childbirth, that, that moment of, of life kind of coming forth, is shrouded by death and pain. There it is in the curse. It is through pain that you shall bring forth life. And there's this, and there's this whole kind of, actually, the sickness and death are there right from the start and even as uh, as as the the bible goes on kind of through the prophets there being there's this this idea of understanding of this is where we are we live in a world that is that is ill that is sick and so any of us who wander through it encounter sickness very quickly whether it's a a little sniffle or um the the dark shadow of some great disease like cancer we are aware that these things exist. But the promise comes soon after. That one day, as Isaiah speaking, one day on that hill, death which covers the nations like a dark shroud shall be swallowed up. Mm. One day, one day that's going to happen. And then it talks again about you know, every tear will be wiped away, sickness and death will be brought to an end. There will be victory over these things. And so that throughout the Old Testament, we have this promise that one day there's coming. One day someone's going to come who's going to open the eyes of the blind, who's going to set captives free, who's going to, uh, the lame will walk and the, the, the deaf will hear. This is, this is coming. This day is coming when one would do that. And even through the Old Testament, whilst there's a kind of a longing to see the person who's going to come and, and bring that kind of life into being, there's this ongoing uh, taking over of stories where God shows that he remains sovereign over death. Death is not, does not have the final word over God. God, he, he, we see these wonderful stories in the Old Testament of healings, of people being raised from the dead even. And so all the way through, we're aware that death reigns over us. He has a shroud over us. He's not a shroud over God. And so we look forward throughout the Old Testament. One day someone who's going to come and he's going to swallow up death and sickness forever. 
And then suddenly, Jesus appears, and in Luke's Gospel, Luke 4, he steps forward and he says, those promises have been fulfilled in me. He says, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, to set captives free, to sight to the blind. Here I am, the fulfilment of the promises that you've been longing for. And then Matthew, kind of quoting back to Isaiah, says, points to, and we've, we've seen this in our series in, in Matthew's Gospel, points to Jesus and his healings and says, look, this is the fulfilment of, of Isaiah's prophecy that by his wounds we are healed. Here he is, here, he is the one. This clear statement, here is Jesus who is the fulfilment of these promises. And he comes, doesn't he? And they, they, these the gifts of healings, they, they accompany his preaching of the kingdom. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God as we've seen as we've gone through Matthew's gospel. And these, these healings sort of accompany that to authenticate his ministry. To, to prove who he is and that what he, the gospel that he preaches is the true gospel. This is the gospel that brings life. This is the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of the one who has invented life, the author of all life. Here it is. Right? So Jesus, when he, when he the, you know, the, the, the ceiling opens and down comes a man on his bed, he says, your sins are forgiven you. People say, who on earth are you to forgive sins? And he says, to prove to you that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins, get up and walk. In fact, he asked them first, which one's easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And the answer that they must have in their head, he doesn't wait for an answer, but the answer that they must have in their head is, well, they're both equally impossible. You can't forgive sins and you can't tell somebody to get up and walk. He says, well, to prove to you that I can do both, get up and walk. And so the kind of, here he is, the one who is bringing the kingdom. And then wonderfully what we see is Jesus doesn't just keep this for himself, but he makes this available to anybody who would preach the gospel. And so he, when he sends out uh, his uh, disciples, and we'll see this as we go through Matthew's gospel. He sends out his disciples. He gives them authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick. And he gives them the command. As you go, preaching the gospel, heal the sick. As you go, do this. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. This is Matthew 10, verse 8. And then he says, Jesus says this towards the end of John's gospel. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then we see this, this exact thing played out in the church as we go through the stories in Acts. Like this one that we've just read here. The, the church are walking out these commands um, that Jesus has given to his people. Heal the sick. Step out in faith. Come on, preach the gospel and these signs will accompany you. These commands and these promises, right? Command, go and pray for the sick, heal the sick. Promise, when you do, I'll be with you and my power will accompany the preaching of the gospel. And so we come to a story like the one we've, we've just read where... Peter and John going up to the temple. It's not an unusual thing. This is just, it's the hour of prayer. We're going up nine o'clock to pray uh, to, to, in the temple. And as they're walking up, they see a man who has been crippled from birth. Right? He's been there for years, for years. I think we're told something like 30 years he's there. He's become an institution. 
Right? It's just part of the furniture. People are walking past him every day. You've got any change, mate. And, we're, and we are aware of that in our world, aren't we? People who, whose sickness has almost become their identity. Maybe that's you. Maybe there are things that you think, actually, my, my sickness is part of my identity. It's been so long worn by me that it's just part of who I am. That this guy has been lame from birth. He knows no other life. This is all he knows. His only income has, ever be, has only ever been someone saying, okay, here you go, here's my loose change. And he is there, and he is brought to this gate, to the temple, to ask for charity from other people. Peter and John look at him, and they say, look at us. And he looks eager to see, oh, maybe I'm going to get something from these guys. And he quick, they quickly put that to rest, and they say, I don't have any silver or gold, I'm afraid, but what I have, I give you. What a line. What I have, I give you. That's the posture of the kingdom. We're kind of open-handed, we've re- freely we've received, freely we give. That's the, you know, the, the, the line of Jesus. That's, the, that's what we do, that's how we walk. Freely we've received. We've received the kingdom of God, and freely we give. He doesn't have gold and silver. Maybe if he did, he would give. So the, the guy, gold and silver... He says, but what I have, I give you, get up and walk. So what, is, what does Peter have in that moment? What does Peter have? He has a, a relationship with Jesus. He has, a, a, the, he has entered the kingdom of heaven. He is a carrier of the kingdom of heaven and the power and the love of God. And so he says, when he says, what I have, I give to you, he says, all of this, my relationship with Jesus, my my reliance on him, my, my, the love that I've received from him and the power that I've received from him, I give to you freely. Here it is, it's yours. And he is pulled to his feet. And as you can imagine, the crowds who have all of them walked past this guy several times in their life and maybe ignored him or not, suddenly see this guy walking around. You imagine that? Somebody you've, you've, you've seen on the streets in Hull, always with crutches, always, uh, always limping, always ill, unwell. Suddenly, they're there, in the, in, uh, we're told, in perfect health. He is there in perfect health, and we're told the people were utterly astounded, like jaw dropped. What has happened here? This is the guy who's been, who's been crippled from birth. He has never walked in his life, and here he is, leaping for joy. What has happened? Peter sees the crowds, and he says to them, why are you looking, why are you looking at us? Again, what, what a funny thing to say. Why are you looking at us as though, something, as, though, as though we did anything? Well, we saw you do something. You pulled the guy who's never walked to his feet. You've done something. He's, why are you looking at us? And he says, it's not our power, as though it were our power or our piety that have made him walk, right? Peter is very clear, it's not me. I've not done this. My power has not done this. Now, so this, again, this is, this is a, one of the things that sometimes we, uh, holes that we can fall into and one of the holes that some teaching falls into, you know, we kind of this idea of, no, you must heal, you, you must heal. No, we are totally dependent on God's power and God's, and not our piety. Again, another hole that we can fall into is this idea that we, if I, if I jump through enough religious hoops, suddenly I'm going to see a lot more healings. These guys, they are totally reliant on God. Not our power, 
not our piety, not our religiousness that's made this guy well. It is, it is what? What then? And, and Peter says this, it's his name. His name, Jesus' name. And he tells the story of Jesus, the gospel, how Jesus, the author of life, gave his life as a ransom for all. And he says, he points to the name of Jesus. Now, the name is not just what do you know someone by in that culture. It's also the kind of the, the authority. It is the, uh, it's their whole person. You know, who is this person? And Jesus has been teaching in the time that he was with his disciples who he was. You know, Jesus, as he's walking around healing the sick, he is pointing to his own authority. He's pointing to himself to prove to you that I have the power to forgive sins. Get up and walk. Jesus is, is point, constantly pointing to himself. But now these guys, they're not pointing to themselves. I have the power to heal. No, they're pointing away from themselves. But you know, we think of sign, uh, miracles as signs. They are, they, you know, no sign points at itself. They all point away from themselves. Right? They, they, they go this way too. Like you want to you see where this, what, what has caused this healing, then follow the sign back to where it goes, which is the name of Jesus, the, the power of Christ to heal the sick, raise the dead, and set captives free. That is what I want you to see when you look at this healing. Not just be amazed, wow, this person was a cripple, and now they're not. No, I want you to see that this author of life is the one, his name has made it happen. His name has brought life. Not our power. Not our piety. As I say, Jesus has been teaching his disciples you know, about his name. All authority has been on heaven and on earth has been given to me. There is no other name by which uh, people can be saved. You know, the same name that says your sins are forgiven is the name that says get up and walk. You know, and, and so when we think about the name of Jesus. You know, we're told to pray in the name of Jesus, to lean on the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we use in the name of Jesus as some magic word to, as a seal, you know, in the name of Jesus, you know, and then suddenly it happens. There's, a, there's just this, but rather the kind of the name of Jesus is a, is a posture that we take. We lean heavy on him. And so it shapes our faith, our understanding of who Jesus is, knowing his character, Believing in him builds faith in us to pray. Hey, if I understand that Jesus is so moved by compassion and love and uh, has the power, he is willing and he is able, suddenly it shapes how I pray when it comes to praying for the sick. And how, so how does it happen? It's, it's his name and Paul said, Peter says, by faith in his name. His name has made him well by faith in his name. What is it that mo- so, so is the mover for his name to heal? What is it? What is the mover for Christ to heal? And it is faith in his name. Faith in his name is the means by which God has chosen to demonstrate this power in the name of, in his, of his name in healing. Faith moves the hand of God. In other words, what heals? His name. His name is, is, the, is, the, is the power, his power, his authority, his grace, his love, his character. Heal. How? By faith in his name. You follow me? His name heals. How? Faith in his name. 
And so there's this wonderful kind of division of, of labour. So when I pray for the sick, I'm, I'm there just trusting God. Trusting God to heal. I might not even know what's going on in the body in front of me. I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know why these ankles are weak. I don't know why you've not been able to walk since birth. But I know the person who, who knows. And I know the person who is able to, to, to heal you. And I know that he loves you. And I know that he's moved by compassion. And he wants to show his gospel at work in bringing life. Remember the kingdom of heaven is there to set, set captives free. And one of the signs of that is that life should break out, healing break out. Faith trusts the name of God, trusts who that we're dealing with and moves. And so as I step out in faith in this simple way, I just pray, Lord, heal. He steps in and he covers all the ground and he, by his power, brings healing. Now, sometimes we can think that and again, this is one of the traps we can fall into. And it's not without grounding, but sometimes we can think that the reason I don't see people healed is because I don't have enough faith. The reason I don't see people healed is because I don't have enough faith. But Jesus responds to that already. He's already responded to that question. He says to them, his disciples say to him, can, give us more faith. And he says, so the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to the tree or to the mountain, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Right? Jesus says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. And so, that's, and so we can kind of read that and we can think, well, wow, I, I don't see mountains moved. And so I must not even have faith beside of a mustard seed. I must, I must have like half a mustard seed worth of faith. No, that is the exact opposite of what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how much or how little faith you have, but it is where the faith is. If you have just the smallest amount of faith and it's directed towards me and, and who I am and what I'm able to do, then you, in that faith, will be able to see wonderful things done. Wonderful, wonderful things done. And so sometimes we can think, actually, healing is, is performed, you know, and that's, again, that's what Peter's pushing back against here. It's not our piety. Our, our religiousness hasn't made this thing happen. Right? I'm not a special person. Jen and I, we, 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 are, we are not special people in, in any sense. I, we, yesterday we were getting excited because we discovered a new brand of pesto that we've managed to make go for a few different meals. And it's, you know, we're really excited about that. And yet both of us have seen wonderful things happen when we've prayed for the sick. You ask Jen, story, share some stories of... When you pray for them, she ought to be able to tell up you a number of stories. I was once in, in uh, South Africa and we were in this school and um, we, were just, we were just doing an assembly for kids and uh, we just had this opportunity to pray for the sick um, and a teacher brings this little girl before me who has this terrible piercing earache and I, I pray for her and nothing happens. And I go, okay, this is a teaching moment. And so I say, like, you know, actually the power of prayer isn't in me. I'm not, I'm not got any power to... The power in prayer is the one to whom I'm praying, right? The, 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 that's where the power is. And so I said, let's just let's pray again and see what God does. And so we prayed, and she starts crying. And you go, oh, what have I done wrong? And, 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 she, and she just says, it's gone. The pain is just, just gone. 
And, just, and suddenly, you know, when you kind of think, like, oh, I've just been hit by my own teaching. Actually, the, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything except pray and lean on God. God brought healing. You know, if we think that the power is in to, to muster up faith, you know, like, I'm going to believe, you know, I'm going to believe that you're well. And again, that can be something that teaching that kind of creeps into the church. You know, then name it, claim it. You know, actually, if I just, if I just believe enough, just believe enough, give yourself a hernia trying to believe enough. Like, if I believe enough, this person's going to, like, positive thinking, I'm going to, this person's going to be healed. It's just, it's danger there. Because actually, suddenly your faith isn't in God, your faith is in your faith. Do you see what I'm saying? Your faith isn't in him to heal. Your faith is in your ability to conjure up enough positive thoughts to make this person well. And then God will go, okay, right, you've, you've hit the, the faith threshold and now I'm going to respond to you. No, no, it's not by my power and it's not by my piety. It is his name who is, and faith in his name that has made this person well. The mustard seed thing, right? So, a small amount, just put in the right place. Faith in the right place will move mountains. That is the kind of faith that sees wonders done. That leans heavily on, on God. As we kind of hold these, these, these kind of stories and we remember how God wants to use his people and move through his people we we need to remember that that it's as i say it's it is on the power of god to bring healing and he has promised his people that that he will heal the sick and he's promised his people that he will use his people to, to perform signs and wonders now remember paul right into the corinthians he talks about this as a gift and remember what he said not all gifts are given to all people now all of us i think are called to 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 trust God in this way and to step out in this way. And so there are commands that are given to the whole church. You know, greater works will each one do, anyone who believes. And yet there are gifts of healing. Right? There, are, there are times when uh, there are people who walk in a, in a particular, have been given a particular gift to be able to, to see healings uh, more often maybe. Or, or that would be a bigger part of their, their ministry. And so we know people who are like that. But the... The command and the promises are for all of us, the whole church. And so we are called to step out in faith and to pray for healing. But as I say, most healings that happen in the life of the church, as we see in the New Testament, happen outside of the church. And so sometimes we can have this idea of, Lord God, uh, make this a healing centre. And there are churches that pray this way, and, and it's not a wrong way to pray, but kind of the challenge that you kind of want to bring to that way of thinking and that way of praying is well when was the last time you preached the gospel outside of this room and when was the last time you offered healing to somebody outside of this room is that is that something that we're moving in because that's that's the command preach the word and the preaching of the word will be accompanied by it be paired with tied to signs and wonders and so when we, when we tell people the gospel, we say, hey, look, actually, this God who is able to forgive your sins is also able to say, get up and walk. What I have, I give to you. Are we confident enough to say what I have? Do you, have you, have you realised what you have? I think that's, there's just a, there's a challenge there. You, if you have crossed that line of faith, if you've received God, his gift of the Holy Spirit, as these guys did just a chapter before, 
You have the power of the kingdom of God in you to proclaim the, the gospel in, in, with authority and with courage and to see healings and signs and wonders done. And so there's this, this challenge as well as this encouragement that should come when we hear these stories and we see these things. Are we seeing these things? Are we stepping out in these things? Are we, obe- are we being obedient to Jesus in, in faith? As I say, I want us to be able to say that by word and by deed, we have seen the gospel go throughout North Pole. I want, I want us to be able to say that. And for us to be able to say that, it means that not just one or two of us, right, Peter and John, they're not special members of the church. There's a, you know, they are another part of the body. But the whole, these things have been given to the whole body. And so we need to be willing to step out, each one of us. And so to, to be encouraged by that. Wonderful stories through the book of Acts of people who only appear once and who do amazing things. And so we can think, well, this is for all of us to step out and to be encouraged uh, bye. I want us to give just a bit of time now just to respond to this. And I want us to respond in two ways. By praying to two different prayers, really. The first one, you know, in Acts, uh, actually, these guys get in a bit of trouble for what they say and do. Uh, they, you know, they've preached the gospel, they've healed the sick, and the, uh, the council, the temple, kind of pull them off to one side. Uh, guys, I hear you've been saying this and someone said you healed the guy that we walk past every day. Um, what's going on here? And there comes threats. It's the first kind of line of persecution that the church face. Threats and warnings against them. And they get away. They, kind of, they, they give an answer for themselves, a good answer for themselves. They, they come away and they gather with the church and they pray together. Um, and their prayer ends this way. Uh, this is Acts 4, 29. Um, onwards they say this and now Lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness that's a prayer that we should be praying give us Lord all boldness to continue to preach to speak your words whilst you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and it says this when they had prayed this prayer, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I want us, our first response to be to pray that prayer. <laughs> Continue to give us boldness to preach your word and accompany the preaching of your word with signs and wonders. And then secondly, I'd like us to pray for the sick. Why don't you stand uh, with me? Um, and we will, we're going to pray those prayers.